Now, I want to just jump into God's word. Uh, we've been going through this exciting series. Let me just begin with a word or a question. How many of you, how many of you have ever won a supermarket promotion, a competition, one of those things where you just luckily win something? Uh, maybe it was in, a, in, a, in an event. You just won some tickets, some pickup, some house, something. Uh, th those things that we see people winning, but you're one of the people who won. Let me just see, show of hands. Like one, two, three, about like, wow, about quite a few of us, about 20 people. Excellent. All right, that's a great, I'm so excited. Somebody actually wins these things. Okay, let me ask another question. How many people have applied for one of those things? In a supermarket, after your shopping, you've filled out those things, you've, everybody else. <laughs> okay. You know, it's so interesting. I mean, it's so funny sometimes you do all your shopping and you've got like 30 of those things to fill out. And you're filling every one of them and you're just saying, this one could be the one. And you're putting them, have you seen people doing that? Or maybe you've done it yourself. It's always so amazing how we do that. You know, there's something very appealing to all of us when it comes to money. And it's the big break. Every one of us, I mean, let me just say, many of us, almost all of us, let me put it that way. We, 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 we long for the big break. That one thing that when it happens will just change our fortunes. That thing that you're not expecting but it happens to you like you see it happen to people on TV and all of a sudden your life is different because you got this break. You know, it's that one prize, that one contract, that one tender, that one thing that when it happens to your business or to your, or to your family, it completely changes the fortunes of yourself, perhaps of your children and maybe even of your grandchildren because the lucky break came. So we fill out those lotteries in supermarkets. We enter the promotions. We peel off the bottle tops from the sodas. And we do all that we can. Because all of us, somewhere inside, there's that little hope that maybe the big break will come to me this time. You know, this big break mentality is an amazing thing. You find it everywhere. I find it in people who uh, just believe that they'll only be successful if something happens to them. If I only get this particular job, or if I only go to this particular kind of school, or if I only get married to this kind of person, my life will change. And so I know people who are just sitting there waiting for the day that they get that job, that they get that scholarship. Before that, it's like life will never start because my big break hasn't come. The big break mentality, we see it in people who would rather stay home waiting, waiting for the day that they get their big break. Now, you know, it's, it's so interesting. The big break mentality comes when you hear people telling you there's this business opportunity. By the way, when you enter into it, you don't even have to just put money, that's it. You can sleep the whole day and money will just be entering your account. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Anybody ever sold you one of those multi-level things where they're just telling you, by the way, all you need to do is just buy and sign the first time. Then your downline will be doing all the work for you. Any, ever, anybody ever been sold one of those? Now, I have nothing against multi-level, by the way, because there are some that really actually do work. But anybody who ever tells you there's a business that you can enter to where you don't have to do any work, and just put in a little money and then wait for it to happen. That's a con, by the way. In fact, you know what I always tell them? I tell them, show me how much money you've made. Show me your bank account. And I've rarely met somebody who has actually made money doing that. By the way, the, the multi-level money people who make a lot of, who, who actually have succeeded, they're hustlers. They work hard. They sell. It's a full-time career. That's what they don't tell you. Isn't it? They just tell you, just fill this, and then you'll just make money. How many people have joined a multi-level and not done as well as you thought you would have done? Aha, uh -huh. don't even put up your hands on that one. I suspect quite a few of us 
would be guilty of that one. Now, this big break mentality, unfortunately, it happens with Christians as well. It's just that we'd never call it big break. You know, Christians, we're too saved for big breaks. So what we call it is, I'm waiting on the Lord. Um, by the way, I know Christians who are waiting on the Lord. In fact, they've even refused to get a job because they're waiting for the Lord. I don't know if they're waiting for the Lord to drop a job from heaven, but they're sitting home. Pay, somebody else is paying for the bills because they're waiting. In fact, they even say, you know what? God opens, no man can shut. Just like Pastor M prayed in the, in the pulpit. They misinterpret what the pastor says. And they say, I'm just waiting on the Lord. And all they're doing is just this spiritual big break mentality. Now, this big break mentality, it's what makes Kenyans fall for conmen and for pros prosperity preachers. You know, it's so nice if I could just give a guy my tithe. Pwah! And then it just comes back a hundredfold. Pwah! You know, I just sit at home and do nothing. It's like God is just this big multi-level thing that I just put money in and then I sit and it just comes. And it's what makes us gullible to prosperity preachers and to conmen as well. Anybody ever been conned, by the way? Let me just see a show of hands. Okay, don't even put, by the way, I'm embarrassed. There are so many of us uh, who are putting... It's, it's a big break mentality because we just feel, you know, if I just do this, maybe without too much effort, I'll get it all back. Why is the big break mentality so attractive? I'll tell you why it's so attractive. It's because it promises that you can get your success now. No blood, no soil, no, no sweat, no toil, no tears. It just happens now. I don't want to be like other people who take so long to succeed. I want my success to come and I want it to happen now. This is the thinking of many Kenyans. Now, this is not billionaire thinking. And I want to talk today about what the billionaire says about the true path to success. For our visitors, before I jump into it, let me just bring you up to speed. We've been going through this series. It's called Money Wise. Lessons from a billionaire. And we're learning from a, a bona fide billionaire. We're learning from King Solomon, one of the richest men who ever lived. Certainly the richest in the Bible. And he's talking to us and giving us amazing tips. It's so shocking how practical the Bible is when it comes to, our, to talking about money. And Solomon's giving us some tips about how to manage money. And who, who better to learn from than a man who had lots of it, but also had great wisdom as well. And the first week we learned about the heart, the heart of wisdom. The heart that, actually I call it the wealthy heart. And we learned this. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting that the use of your wealth reveals the state of your heart. We learned that, you know, if somebody needs to understand your values, your priorities, how you, what, what, what's important to you, they don't need to ask you because you won't tell them the truth. They just need to assess how you spend your money. The use of your wealth, the use of your wealth reveals the state of your heart. Let me just ask you, this week, this last week, since you knew this message, if somebody was to look at the way you've used wealth this last week, what would it tell about the state of your heart? something changed since we began this series. The use of your wealth reveals the state of your heart. Last week, we began to look at the mind, the wealthy mind. We looked at the wealthy heart. We looked, we looked at the wealthy mind as well. And we began to realize that there's something powerful about the mind. We learned that true wealth begins with... Uh, let's see if your minds are awake. <laughs> we learned that true wealth begins with wisdom, not... Not wallet. Many of us, we think, let me just hustle first. And then one day I'll have time to learn about finances, to learn what God's word teaches me about managing finances. And we realize that's a fallacy. That's putting the cart before the horse. The true wealth begins with wisdom. 
not wallet. Now, if you're a visitor and you want you weren't here for the last two, you can actually get a, seat, a, a CD or a DVD after this service. You can pick it up at the info table. And if you have a friend, by the way, that you think would benefit from this, let me invite you also to get one, one of those and pass it on to them. Now, today we want to talk about the hands. We've talked about the heart. We've talked about the mind. Let's talk about the hands that create real wealth. And I want us for that purpose to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And we're going to read from verse 1 to 6. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1 to 6. And this is what it says. Ecclesiastes, this is one of the books of wisdom that the billionaire wrote. Ecclesiastes 11, from verse 1 to 6. I'm reading from the NIV version. It says, ship your grain across the sea. After many days, we'll receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. Do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I just pray now that as we receive it, Lord, wisdom is such a precious thing. I desire wisdom. And I desire it for the people of Mavuno. I pray that as we come to your word, give us such an openness towards you. Give us humble hearts to receive this word. And I pray it would truly make us wise. Some of us are just beginning this journey. We're young fresh out of school, so much promise. Some of us are a little older. We've been doing this many more years. But every single one of us has something we can pick from your word. I pray that, Lord, you would instruct us and show us the way we should go. Lord, it's not knowledge we're after because knowledge just puffs up. It makes people proud. We're after transformation. And transformation comes with wisdom. Give us wisdom, Lord that we'll be good stewards of the management of your resources. And I pray that today, Lord, you would set somebody here free. Set us free through the power of your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and God's people say, Amen. When the book of Ecclesiastes was written, Israel had just transitioned, had, had been in the process of transitioning from a small agricultural nation to a trading nation, a power of trade. Israel is located in a very strategic place because it's in the middle of a trade route between Egypt and Africa and all the way to Asia and Europe on the other side. And so because of that, all the major trade routes passed around there in the time of Solomon. And Solomon had taken great advantage of that. Bible tells us he owned fleets of ships and he sent them out across the seas to do trade. And he made a huge fortune trading with other nations. One of the big things that people traded in those days was grain, just like they do today. By the way, do you know food is one of the biggest industries in the world? And it is also in this country. And he traded with grain. He sold it to other nations. And, people, and he made a huge killing making it. 
And this is why he's talking in this passage about shipping grain. He's, he's actually giving some financial tips from some of his own practices to a younger person. Now, the thing about it is he's saying, you know, you must ship your grain across the seas. He's talking to any investor, any young person. He's saying, you know what, if you want to make money, ship your grain across the seas. Now, shipping grain across the seas is a venture that is full of risk. There's all kinds of things that could happen when you, when you take all the harvest from your field. You take all that harvest, put it in different ships, and you, you send it across the seas. Because you could find pirates attack your ships. You could find a fire destroys everything. A storm could come and overwhelm those ships. And so most people would probably think, you know what, let me play it safe. Let me at least make sure there's bread for my family. Let me make sure that we are covered. Let me keep it here where I can look after it. But Solomon says, ship your grain across the sea. In other words, invest what you have in your hands. Invest it. But you know, before you can become an investor, you must first of all be a saver. That's a tweetable quote, by the way. If you've not, if you if you've not found anything to tweet so far, if, uh, you look very smart if you tweet that one. Before you can become an investor, you must first of all be a saver. I like to say that there are three types of people. There are people who not only consume all that they have, but they consume it before the end of the month. So there's more month left than they have money for. At Mavuno Church, we're a real church. We don't fear man. We're real. Amen? Amen? Okay. So, okay. So how many of us... <laughs> now, let's see. Let's test this theory. How many of us, you know, you've struggled with this one. The month ends and you don't have enough money to get to the end of the month. Let me just see. Show of hands. Let's just be real here. God is here. He can see you. You know? How many of, how many of us... That's a struggle. Yeah, there's quite a few of us. Our hands are going up. Yeah. There's quite a few of us. That's type number one. Type number two are people who consume all their money just on time. So, <laughs> so by the end of the month, it's like 20... When are you paid? You see, they even know the date. 28th. The month reaches and it's... Whew, the last coin goes as the new salary checks in. Pwah! And it's like, praise God, you're holding your breath. Because if the accountant was late by two days, you'd have been out of your house. Now, I know I'm exaggerating, but it's not, maybe it's not all of it, but most of it, you spend it before the end of the month. Let me just see show of hands. Come on, let's be real. Let's be honest here. We're in God's house. We can be honest. We have nothing to impress. Quite a few of us would also admit to that one. And then group number three are the people who consume, but they have a lot left over. And what they're left over with, they're able to invest and ship it across the seas and make a lot more money from it. So let me just see show of hands. Hiya. So where the rest of you have not put up your hands? I thought we were a real church. Or you're still thinking which one you fall into. If you're thinking, you probably fall into group number, number one, by the way. If you had to think about that one. <laughs> so, so here's what I want to say to you. If you're in the first group, you consume it all and more. Then I want to speak to you. What, what, what um, billionaire Solomon, I want to tell you what I think he would tell you. He would tell you that debt destroys destiny. He'll tell you that. Debt destroys destiny. It really does. This, this accumulation of debt, this living beyond your means, it destroys your destiny. He says it in, verse, in Proverbs 27, 22 verse 7, the rich rule over the poor, the borrower is a slave to the lender. It's a very interesting situation that 
that, that Solomon talks about. He talks about the fact that, you know, when you are in hock, if you're living in the place where you're borrowing from your friends, from the loan shark, from whoever it is every month to make your ends meet, then you are a slave. You cannot achieve your destiny. You're a slave to the lender. The lender is the one who determines when you're happy, when you're sad. He's the one who determines when you're relieved and when you're tense. He's the one who determines when you smile and when you cry. You know what I'm talking about because some people by the end of the month, what, what date are we in now? You're already holding your breath right now and you're far from the landlord as possible. Of course, nobody in Mavuna Church is like that, amen. You know what I'm talking about. Some people, the landlord knocks and the lights are off and he holds your breath. So he doesn't hear you. Slave to the lender. That's what the Bible talks about. Group number two, if this is you, what Solomon would say to you, don't consume your future today. Because that's what you're doing. You're consuming your future today. You know, it's so interesting. Uh, when, I, when I read the story of, of, of Joseph in the Bible, who God showed in a dream that one day there would be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of poverty, of lack. I like to say that Solomon did not bind the spirit of lack and of poverty. In Jesus' name, I bind poverty. He didn't do any of that. What did he do? He saved. He saved. Very basic. He knew difficult times would come. And so what he did is he didn't just consume what he had. He saved enough for the years to come. And I like to say many people today, we don't actually think about the years of retirement. You're going to retire at 65. That gives you, if you live, many of us here, uh, if you're in the middle class, if you're in a, in a reasonably, play, a place where you can eat reasonable, have a reasonable diet, and you're looking after your health. Many people in this church, I believe because of the lifestyle you're living, in Jesus' name, you're not at a high risk for AIDS and other such lifestyle diseases in Jesus' name. Eh? Amen. So you're probably going to live to 90 years. <laughs> oh my goodness. 65 to 90 is how many years? 25. Somebody right now is saying, it's okay, I can die at 80. <laughs> those are many. <laughs> those are many. Who's going to look after you those years? There's no magic that's going to happen one day and you'll have enough money for that time. This time, every month, you should be making enough for this month and the next month after that. That you will not have the money and you're eating your future today. And so that's what I'd say. And by the way, if you've not had a chance to read Financial Fitness, the book Financial Fitness, Financial Foundations, I want to highly recommend them. Because we've talked about this at Mavuna, and I know many people here are in a completely different space because they've begun to apply God's word and not eat their future today. Now, if you are in a place, if that's where you are, I do recommend that you start there. Digging yourself, get yourself out of that debt. Get yourself out of that lifestyle because that's the first thing you must do. But then after you begin to do that, what do you do? And this is what Solomon then is addressing now. And he is saying, ship your grain across the sea because after many days you may receive a return. If you do not ship your grain across the seas, you will not receive a return. But when you ship it, you may receive a return. This is an encouragement to invest what you save. Increase your opportunity to, to eventually make real wealth. This is what Solomon is doing. He's discouraging us from get-rich-quick schemes. He's discouraging us from big-break mentality. And he's saying the path to true wealth is to save and to invest. It sounds very basic. It goes against the wisdom of the age. The wisdom of get rich now. But he's saying, you know what? If you want to build real, sustainable, godly wealth, then you must save and you must invest. 
Because true wealth is earned over time, not overnight. That's really what he's saying. True wealth is earned over time, not overnight. You must have the discipline to save so you have something to invest. But putting the, the money in the bank is not enough. You must ship your grain across the seas. You must find some way to invest this money so it yields a return for you. Now, how do we do this wisely? This is what Solomon talks about in the rest of this passage. How do we ship our grain wisely? How do we invest wisely? I want to give you three practical billionaire investment trips, tips. Three practical billionaire investment tips. Number one, diversify your investments. It's interesting. You'd never think the Bible talks about stuff like this. It's so practical. Diversify your investments. This is what the billionaire says. He says, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. In the Hebrew culture, seven was a number of completion. And so when he says seven, yes, eight, he's saying do what you can and then do more. <laughs> invest. Invest in different ventures. Don't put all your eggs in one basket is what he's teaching. Because you don't know how things will turn out. Spread the risk. Split your investments. Invest in different profit-making ventures. This is what he's teaching us. You need to put some of your, your savings in low-risk ventures. Whether it's money market funds, whether it's uh, uh, treasury bills or bonds, company bonds. You need to put some of those. And you need to even understand how those work. And to be able to invest some of your money in that. You need to be able to invest in medium risk ventures. These are things like blue chip company shares. And you, you even need to understand how those work as well. So you can, you can send some grain in some of those ships as well. And then you need to maybe invest a bit in high risk ventures. And you know, they say the younger you are, the more, the higher you can take a risk. Because higher risk, higher return. But then also higher risk means you can blow it all. And so don't put it all in high risk. Buying land is high risk, by the way. Do you know that? Okay, maybe you don't know that. It, 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 is, it is a bit of a high risk venture. It's, it's earth, which in Kenya is everything. But you know one time when you're sick and you want to sell that land, you, you may not be able to get your return as fast, is it? And there's this maxim we have that land always appreciates, but I don't think that's generally true all the, all the time. Sometimes you buy it just because people are buying it, but you don't ask yourself, what's going to make this particular piece here appreciate? So there's some risk involved there. Business. You know, most Kenyans don't understand that business is one of the highest risk ventures you can get into. It is. So don't put everything into that hustle because you could burn it all. And some of us have done it. You could burn it all. So he's saying spread out. Spread out. Diversify your risk. Understand different ships. Understand what they do. Which all has to do with financial wisdom. And then send your grain. Ship your grain across the seas. If you're earning a salary, you must always remember that your boss's job is not to make you rich. This is a big fallacy that many Kenyans have. That my boss is here to ensure that I'm rich. And so when you find you're not rich, who do you blame? Blame your boss. You blame HR. They're not paying me enough. I'm worth more than this. And I'm not saying you're not more, worth more than that. But all I'm saying is the salary you receive is actually seed that you must sow to get return. This is what a salary is for. A salary is not something just to eat. You don't eat all your grain. You sow some of it. You, you send some of it on ships and you invest it and you hope for a return. 
You know, it's very interesting because, like I said last week, my wife and I, over 21 years of work of our work life, we've always saved one salary. Actually, we split it between giving. We, we gave almost half of it and, 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 and saved the other. But we've been able to invest huge resources. <laughs> Not because we ever made more money than we should have. Not because we ever entered the tithes of Mavuno. Sometimes I say, if I was to be real and share with some of you some of the ventures I'm involved in, you would be convinced that I steal from Mavuno. Surely, he's a pastor. How can he do that? How can, you'd be so angry at me. And I tell you, actually, it has nothing. I have no access, zero. In fact, I've never had access to the tithes of Mavuno Church. I've never even come close to the counting room when the money is being counted. Ever since 10 years ago when the church began, I receive a paycheck like many people. But the difference is, what do you do with that paycheck? And over the years, my wife and I have invested in shares. And we've been able to sell those shares and to buy land. And we've been able to sell that land and to buy developments and to buy things. Should I just stop? Paul says at some point, I think now I'm getting foolish. <laughs> okay, maybe I shouldn't stop. Maybe let me just continue being foolish. Right now, my wife and I are developing 25 homes that each is costing in the region of 20 million shillings that we've invited our friends to buy into and we're creating a development that by the end of this year should be worth half a billion shillings. Is that something I can say safely in church? Is that okay for me to say? And here's a scary thing. That's phase one. Remember what I said before. You need to remember what I said before. I never touch any money that doesn't belong to me. In fact, I want to say this. I made a commitment that I would be one of the biggest givers. In fact, I said, if I ask people in Mavuno to give, I will always give more than the highest giver in Mavuno Church. Not because I earn more than them. In fact, I earn a lot less than some of you. But because I say to God, God, I want to be a good steward of your resources that you can trust me with more. And in that time, you've never seen me drive a fancy. <laughs> I could. Just because you don't see me driving, it doesn't mean I couldn't. I could. But what purpose is it if I show up here in a Range Rover Sport? How will that help you? It doesn't help anybody. I could live in a nicer house than I live in right now. But how is that going to help me achieve the dream that I have to be a donor for Africa? By the way, I really want to underwrite some of the big things God is calling Mavuno to do. I want in the years to come that whenever I ask people here in this church to give 10 million, I will give 20 million. Me and my house. This is my dream and my prayer. That's what I'm looking for and living for. One of the things that I dream about, by the way, let me tell you one of my scariest dreams. I dream that God, one day I will write a hundred million shillings check towards the work of ministry. That's one of my prayers, that my wife and I will write that check. Right now, the largest check we've ever written. Okay, now I'm getting foolish. I'll stop. But, but some of you know this. We gave five million shillings towards Mavuno's relocation. Don't you know that? Well, we made a pledge after that that we'll give 10 million 
And I'm praying that this year we will give that money. We live simply, by the way. We live very simply. But because we are able to take that resource and ship it across the sea, it yields a return. It's not rocket science. The, the trick that our generation must master is the question of time. Because creating wealth takes time. It does. Tell that 20-year-old sitting next to you, you're not about to die. By the way, you know when 20-year-olds think of getting wealthy by the time they are 45, they think that is so old, I'll be dead by then. I better eat it now. I want to tell you, listen to this 45-year-old. I still have much, many years to live and to glorify God and enjoy what he gives me. So it's okay. You don't have to eat it today. Put aside something to ship across the seas so you can make a return. I know I always talk in this church and I say, God wants to create kingdom millionaires and billionaires in this church. The only thing I want you to understand, it's not going to be magic. It's not going to be rocket science. It's not going to be that one day there will be a big break and you'll just look at your account and poo, 10 million. How? How did that happen? If that's what you're praying for, you're mistaken. You must invest. Because true wealth is earned over time. Not overnight. Tell your neighbors, whisper to them, not overnight. Not overnight. Second billionaire tip. First one is diversify. Diversify. By the way, do you know how shares work? You need to know. But do, you, do you know you just need a thousand shillings to get a CDSC account? And you can start doing shares. Your kids can start investing in shares. So learn how those work. Learn how bonds work. Learn how real estate works. Understand. Read. You don't need a lot of money to start engaging, engaging in some of these things. But many times people think, you know, for me to be talking to a broker, I must be rolling in the money first. But you don't have to. Diversify. That's what Solomon is saying. Just begin with what you have. And this is the next point he says. Start right away. Start right away. Really powerful point. He says, if the clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Okay, interesting thing here. He's saying, sometimes you can predict what is going to happen by looking at the circumstances. If you work in Nairobi, let's just hypothetically, and you look outside the, the sky, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the clouds are looking like this. You can feel the thunderstorm in the air. You can see what, what do you do? You find any reason, any excuse, anything you can, beg, steal, or borrow, to leave that office at that point. Find a client to call you near your house. In fact, you call the client, do you need to see me now? <laughs> and you get out of Nairobi because you know traffic is coming, isn't it? There are things that are obvious. In fact, that's what Solomon said. You look at the clouds, you know it's going to rain. But not everything is obvious. Not ev we can't predict every situation. And he says, daily life has situations that we cannot predict for or plan ahead for. He talks about a tree. That tree could have fallen by disease. That tree could have fallen because it was struck by lightning. It could have fallen for any number of reasons. The point is that it fell without planning. He says it could have fallen to the north or to the south. It just fell. And because of that, you just have to deal with it. Maybe it fell on your house. Maybe it fell across the street so you can't pass. So what do you do? You just have to deal with it. And Solomon is saying there are situations in life that we can predict. 
and the other situation that we cannot predict. That's just how life is. So if you're sitting there waiting for situations to be perfect before you invest, there will never be a perfect situation. There will never be a perfect time. You need to start now. You know, the one who looks for an excuse to do nothing will easily find one. If you look for an excuse, you just say, you know, today it's a bit wet. I'm not going out. <laughs> I know I was going to look for land. <laughs> Let me stay. Today is the day I was supposed to go and see my friend and talk about stocks. But you know what? I so, there's so much traffic. But the excuses abound. There will always be a reason not to start now. This is what Solomon is saying. If you, we, sh we should consider the circumstances, but we must never be ruled by circumstances. I remember one day talking to my dad, and I complained to him. My dad was independence generation, and he was blessed to be one of those few people in his village who was educated. So by the time independence came, I mean, he tells me how in, those, in their days when they were in college, you, uh, companies would come to recruit. Has any of you heard those, those stories? Companies would come and recruit in college, and they'd be telling you, please don't even bother finishing. We'll, even, we'll pay for the rest of your education. We need you in the company. And that's how my dad was recruited, straight out of school. And I remember telling my dad once, hey, you guys were lucky. I told him, my, my goodness, I'm so envious. In fact, that day I was so depressed. I was like, life is hard for us, man. Life is harsh for my generation. Nobody's recruiting us out of school. We're hustling. And I said, if I was born your time, <laughs> it'd be something now. And I remember my dad laughed. And then he told me, you know what? I was shocked when he said this. He said, when I was your age, I told my dad exactly the same thing. <laughs> I told my dad, you guys had land. Kenya had no people. You could have settled wherever you wanted. I wish I lived in your time. And then he told me something. He told me what his dad told him. I'll never forgive, forget. He said, his dad told him, there will always be opportunities for those who try. You know, that shut me up. Huh? <laughs> I was like, okay, sour. Because, <laughs> you know, it's true. I suspect one day, I'm waiting for the day my son asks, tells me, you guys were lucky were easy in your time. Because my dad says, there will always be opportunities for those who are ready for them. So, so Solomon is saying, don't wait for the perfect opportunity before you start. And it's true. This, is a, this, is, this goes across life. Don't wait for the perfect spouse before you start making friends. <laughs> Some of you who've got such a long list, you'll never, there's nobody who'll ever fit your list. So you don't even talk to anybody because they're just not good enough. Don't wait. You'll never find that perfect. Just start making friends. Don't look for the perfect church before you begin to engage and to serve. You'll never find a perfect church. In fact, somebody once said, the day you find a perfect church and join it, it stops being perfect. So, so just join it and serve. Participate. Don't look for the perfect job. Don't wait for the perfect job before you begin to work. I remember talking to one person at a certain time and he told me, you know what, I, 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 the, the, the only job that I'm being offered, can't off, I can't pay my bills with it. And he was so disgusted that these people are not willing to pay him what he was worth. I said, oh my goodness, if you're sitting at home waiting for the day you find the perfect job before you start, you never will go anywhere. Find a job. By the way, if you, maybe this is a word for somebody right now. Find that job that is below you. Start there. In fact, you know what's going to happen? One day, your story will be so much sweeter. When you're a billionaire and you're telling people, I started carrying rocks in a mujengo. And I had a degree. Imagine they'll think you're so smart. They will. 
Stop sitting at home watching series waiting for your applications to be, to be answered to. Because no one is sitting there waiting, <laughs> thinking about you. Get out there. Maybe that company you start carrying, doing Mujengo work for is the one that will employ you. And, and elevate you to, a, to the position you're praying for. So don't wait for the perfect opportunity. Start now. This is what Solomon is saying. Start right away. True wealth is earned over time, not overnight. Number three. Millionaire tip number three. Leave resolve to God. Leave resolve to God. Verse five. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Solomon has some powerful words to say here. He's saying life is unpredictable and life is mysterious. You know, people have studied with all their science. We've studied the wind. You watch storm chasers and they study those things and they do all the matrices to understand them. But you know what? doesn't matter how long we've studied the wind. We don't know how to create wind and we don't know how to stop it. It's mysterious. He says, look at all the scientists who've studied the human embryo and the way it's formed in, in, in the womb. And there are so many diagrams. They tell you when the heart starts beating. They tell you how, how many cells it has. They tell you everything. But we still have not been able to understand what the essence of life is. Life just happens. Wind just happens. And what Solomon is in, implicating here is there are many times we will not be able to understand exactly what's going on. We will not be able to understand how God is working in a particular situation. And unfortunately, many Christians freeze because they cannot tell what God is saying in that situation. They freeze up and they just get paralyzed. They want to know exactly what God is saying in that situation. Should I invest in this? Should I invest in that? God, is it Kenjan or is it Safaricom? Really? I mean, now, there are some decisions that God wants you to know he has already decided for you. And I call them moral decisions. A moral decision is a decision where, right or wrong? It's a moral decision. If you're asking, should I bribe God? I should, should I bribe God? Should I bribe so that I can get this tender? You don't have to pray about that. Can I tell you what God is saying? There's somebody who's actually thinking right now that question. So let me just tell you what God is saying. Should I tell, that says the Lord, okay? <laughs> Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. And basically what God is saying, you know what? Yes, it's a get-rich-quick scheme. Yes, you think you're desperate, but you know what you're doing? You're trying to get rich against my law. And it will disappear. That's what God is telling you. Don't even pray. You know what it is. God, shall I sleep with my girlfriend before we get married? Please don't pray about that. That's a moral decision. The word already tells you what God's expectation and will is. But there are those things that God hasn't given you a yes or a no in Scripture. And what he's done instead is given you the mind of Christ. Paul says we have the mind of Christ. And I like to say that God gave us a brain so we can give him a rest. I mean, surely, there are hurricanes Typhoons killing people. God is being called by people dying in mountains. And you're asking whether to invest in Kenjan or Safaricom. Really? Use the mind of Christ. Pray about it. Then do your research. Then find out what is the best situation. Then look for counsel. Look for wise counselors to, in, to speak into the situation. And then having made your best decision with the knowledge that you have, invest. Invest. There's some things you'll never know. And you know what? You might invest and it doesn't work out well. But you know what's going to happen? You'll be out of that. 
that's the price of the education. You have learned. By the way, let me just say this. I know I like making fun of all of you who invested in pyramid schemes. But I want to say this. You learned. You learned a very expensive education, but you learned, isn't it? And right now, if somebody ever comes near you with a pyramid scheme, you'll kick them, isn't it? Because there's wisdom that you gained. So don't even let any people laugh at you. Say, I have a degree in how to avoid pyramid schemes. Yes, I do. <laughs> you learn. So don't be afraid of taking the risk. Because at the end of the day, you will learn. You know, ignorance should never be an excuse for inactivity. Because God alone knows the future. We need to pray for wisdom. But then we must begin to engage and invest. Because true wealth is earned over time, not overnight. Now Solomon summarizes towards the end and he says in verse 6. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed. Whether this or that or whether both will do equally well. This is his conclusion. At the end of all this, this is what I'm saying. And basically, when you see this, sow your seed in the, in, the, in the morning and in the evening, this is a figure of speech. It's not talking about sowing your seed twice a day, like once in the evening, once in the, in, in the morning. It's actually an inclusive paragraph that means all the time in between. All the time between morning and evening, be sowing your seed. He's, he's basically talking about the fact that we need to be constantly involved in multiplying everything that God has put in our hands. This is God's expectation on us as his people. You know, it's very interesting. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called Outliers. And some of you, how many of you have read that book? Let me just see, show how, quite a few have read that book. It's a great book. And you know, many people, I think, misinterpret the, the book Outliers because they think what the book says is <laughs> there are no gifted people, it's all luck. I had somebody tell me that's what the book says. That's not what it says. I'll tell you what the book says. It's a great book. And what he talks about is the fact that to be good at any particular discipline in life, you must put in 10,000 hours. That's what the book is saying. 10,000 hours is a lot. You know, many people today want to be Bill Gates. <laughs> you know, Bill Gates' formula is simple. Go to college, drop out of college with your best friend, start a, a, a company, and become a billionaire, isn't it? And I've had, by the way, I've, this thing is so pervasive, I've actually canceled some high school students in this church who are ready to drop out of school and start their B Bill Gates business. But you know what I learned from Malcolm Gladwell? Because he gives a story, among many other stories of successful people in life. And he talks about, you know what happened to Bill Gates? Uh, he, as a teenager, lived next to a university that had a computer. And in those days, in the late 60s, for a university to have a computer was a very rare thing. And so what Bill Gates and Paul Allen would do as high schoolers is they would sneak out of, house, of the house at night when they're supposed to be in bed go into the university lab. They had some friends among the researchers and they would do coding the whole night. And then they'd sneak in at home the next day and go to class like they'd been awake the whole time. And these guys did that for hours and hours and hours. By the time he got to MIT, basically Bill Gates understood the computer like nobody else in his generation. And it paid the cost. They put in the time. So when you see him quitting school to go and make a billion, don't think you can do the same. What have you put in 10,000 hours into? That's my question to you. What is it that you're so good at that nobody else in your generation can do? What have you put 10,000 hours into? This is what Malcolm Gladwell pushes us to. And you know, this rule is in the lives of all great musicians, all great artists. They put in the time. Yes, they're gifted. I'm not trying to say that everybody's gifted the same way. Not all of us can play basketball like Kobe O'Brien. <laughs> And by the way, some of us, even if we play for how long, we'll, even if we put in 100,000 hours, 
will never be able to score like that man. But you know, at the end of the day, that's not what it takes. It's about finding out what are you gifted at and then applying yourself to it over and over and over. And you know something? In some ways, it's actually boring. To be Tiger Woods is boring. Think about it. You wake up and you spend five hours every day hitting a golf ball. That's all you do. You know, golf is fun when it's not a job. But this guy, he just goes out there, whack, and whack, and whack. I mean, that's what he does for hours. And then he goes and lifts weights for a few other hours. And that's what it takes to put in your 10,000 hours. You just have to work and work and work at it. There are many of us who want to build Bill Gates, but few of us are willing to pay the cost to be the boss. By the way, very few of us who want to be the boss without paying the cost, isn't it? But Solomon is telling us, true wealth is earned over time and overnight. You know, it's so interesting because I... I'm privileged to lead an amazing young team of leaders. And some of them are sitting in front here. They're great people. Uh, many of them are people who are just incredible leaders. And we together lead a team that has many 20-year-olds, uh, people in their 20s. And sometimes I'm a bit afraid because I think today's generation wants to be me without putting in their 21 years. I think those of you who are a little older, you probably have seen it, isn't it? You're the boss. Somebody comes and just sees what you have and they say, that. What are they paying this guy? <laughs> How much must this guy be being paid compared to what I'm earning? And you know, it's, it's interesting because they immediately want to be the boss. They don't want to pay the cost. But Solomon is telling us that true wealth is earned over time and not overnight. Now, I really do sense, you know, this is so countercultural. Again, I said this last week. The lessons we're learning are so countercultural that many will not apply them. Many don't apply it. Many hear it and they immediately go out and they start gambling with their hard earned money. They start waiting for that big break. But I suspect that there are some here who will take these lessons and they'll begin to use them. Imagine if you could take half your salary, if you could somehow scale your life down and start living on half your salary. I know you think your salary is a little, it's very little. <laughs> And you're already feeling you're squeezed with 100% of it. So you're wondering, how could I ever live on 50? But imagine in your mind that you just decide, this is what I earn. And you put 50%. And you say, I'm going to free the rest of it and start investing it over time. You know what's going to happen? The kingdom millionaires and billionaires that we're talking about, there will be not a few in this church. It will be the way of this church. You know Africa? The way Africa is always going to the UN to borrow, and the IMF, a time will come when Africans will tell the IMF, we even want to help you pay your bills. I look forward to that time, by the way, when Kenya becomes a donor country, and we're helping out, we're bailing out other countries that are in trouble. But you know what it's going what to take? It's going to take men and women like yourselves beginning to think different. God isn't going to come through and all of a sudden just give you money in your account. True wealth, true wealth is earned over time. And not overnight. I want to pray for us. Father, I thank you for Mavuno Church. And Lord, I want to pray for us right now. Because I sense that the things I'm saying, there are many of us who came to church to hear a spiritual message and maybe did not find a spiritual message here. And yet the most amazing thing, Lord, is these things are in your word. Money is the most spiritual force, powerful force there is. 
And that's why you talk about it so much in here. And Lord, you want us to be controllers of wealth, not controlled by wealth. This is what you desire for your children. This is why you give us this wealth. And I sense that today there's somebody who's had something that is going to send them on a trajectory towards a completely different future. Maybe there's somebody here who became tired of doing the right thing because they didn't seem to be moving fast enough like the people around them. And maybe we get tired and begin to live a lifestyle that we cannot afford. But Father God, today you're putting us back in that space where you're telling us to use what you've already put in our hands and to invest it and to create wealth over time and not overnight. And I sense that for somebody here, there's a freedom that's coming to them. Because all of a sudden, they're feeling, I don't have to perform. <laughs> I don't have to, be to try to be like my colleagues in the workplace. Some of our workplaces, Lord, people dress up. And every day, people have different hairstyles. And the pressure is so much for us to look like them. And that's why we're eating our future today. But I sense that today, Lord, you're setting somebody free from that lifestyle thinking. And that, Lord, you're creating people here who would create real wealth. Not just for ourselves, but so that we can become a blessing to others. We can become a source of the solutions that this country so desperately needs. And Lord, I just want to pray for somebody here. In fact, I want to pray for several categories of people. Maybe there's somebody here who's been so convicted by God's word. You've been angry because you've been feeling your big break hasn't come. And you've been resentful. Maybe you've been sitting at home waiting for that big break. And today God has just done something in your mind that has set you free. And you know what God is speaking to you about. I want to pray for you. There's somebody else who's here who's been taking shortcuts because it was just too, this thing was taking too long. Even your business was just taking too long to grow. And so you've end up, ended up entering into the space of shortcuts. And you're, I'll even say it, you've just been paying bribes to get the tenders, to get the business. You've been tipping off that procurement officer to get the business because you've been impatient. But today God's word is setting you free. And you're standing up to say, I will run a business of integrity by God's help. I will go at the speed that God wants me to go. I don't have to become rich overnight. But over time, God will help me as I keep his word. And I want to pray for you as well. There's somebody else here who's just been on such a hard road financially that you've almost given up. But the Lord has encouraged you today. And you're leaving this place with some hope. That God is going to begin to turn around your situation as you apply what you're learning. If this is you, I'm just going to ask you to stand right now. And I want to pray for you. I just sense God is here. He's such a God of grace. God of a second chance. God who releases us and turns us around. Come on, just stand up to your feet right now. If, this is, if you're in any one of these situations I'm talking about, let's appreciate them as they stand up across this building. Bless the Lord for every one of you. To God be the glory. I want to say it's not over. It's not finished. God hasn't said it's over. He's the God of a second chance. As you begin to put your destiny in his hands, as you begin to become a good manager of the resources he's put there, God is able to do something completely new this year in your life. Come on, put out your hands in front of yourself. Begin to pray that prayer of confession that says, God, forgive me for how I've managed your resource. But God, from today, I want to be a good resource manager for the kingdom. I thank you, Lord, that you're raising up people here who will be lenders and not borrowers. I thank you, Lord, that you're raising up people here who will be fantastic money managers. I thank you that, Lord, you're raising up people here who understand how to manage your resource, who go to your word for wisdom. Thank you, Lord. Every prayer that's coming up to you right now in confession, receive it. 
receive it, Lord. And Lord, I want to pray for somebody who's been in that impossible situation financially because of decisions they made in the past. And right now, Lord, I thank you because it's not too late for them to hear this word. They're receiving it at just the right time, God's time. And Lord, I'm praying for turnaround stories in this house today. I'm praying for somebody who was heading the wrong direction. And from today, Lord, they will start to head the right direction because their mind is being transformed and renewed so that they'll know God's will, His perfect and pleasing will. I thank you because you're setting them free. Thank you, Lord. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Not just spiritually, but financially as well. This is God's design and will for His children. And I speak freedom. I speak freedom. Amen. Let me invite the rest of us to join them and stand. Wow. Now this week we've talked about the hands. Next week we're going to be talking about something internal, the attitude. The attitude of wealth. We're going to be summarizing our series with that. I'm so excited that we're listening to this. Because I believe that God is going to cause a turnaround. Look at the person next to you. Do they look like a billionaire? Ha! Do they look like billionaire material? In Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. I want to bless you as you go out into the week. Tell your neighbor, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. God's got some great things. I, let me just say before I bless you. I've always prayed to lead a church of billionaires. By the way, I have. I really have. That's my desire. And it's not for selfish reasons. Not so that we can become rich and be showing off our cars in the parking lot. That's not the plan. But the reason that I pray for that is because Africa has such huge needs. When I see the slums around us, when I see the drug addiction in schools, when I see the brokenness in families, when I see what our media is throwing out there, and I say, who is going to cause solutions to come up? It takes money to create solutions, isn't it? Some of us have great ideas, but we need money to make those ideas do something. And I pray, Lord, raise up billionaires in this church so that Kenya will be blessed, so that Africa will be blessed. By the way, one of my desires is to raise, Africa, uh, raise billionaires across Africa. And I pray for a day when some of you will take me in your jet to go to Ghana to teach this information to people there. This is my prayer. I want you to be prosperous. And I want you to be more prosperous than I am. That's my prayer for you. That you will be able to bring solutions to the kingdom. This fearless summit, I pray that it will be a summit that will be across every country of Africa, every capital city of Africa, there will be a fearless summit. And some of you will be paying the check, by the way, one check. You just say, by the way, Pastor, I don't even call corporates here. My company is doing that. Can you see it in Jesus' name? This is my prayer for many of us here, that this is what the Lord would raise up. Again, not for selfish reasons, but because we have the solutions to bring this continent that has been called the continent of darkness and bring it to be called the continent of light in our generation. And our children will call us blessed. This is my prayer. And so may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he give you the mind of Christ. May he give you the wisdom to desire him above all things. May money be your servant and never your master. May you be so free to serve him, never ruled by money. May there be such a freedom in your house as you apply God's word. And may your children learn to be financial managers because of you. In fact, I want to speak that in a few years, I'll be doing a series on how to teach your children about money. 
Because you'll have so much of it that we're going to have to teach your children how to manage the money you have. I didn't hear any amens. And so, Father, I bless your people now as they go out into this week fearless to serve you. I bless you, God's people, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And God's people say it together. Amen. Come on, let's give glory to God. God, we bless you for your word.